first, I want to share with you an update of, of what we've been doing uh, in, in Poland. Uh, when the war began, February 24th, the very next day, we began getting calls because we still are very much connected, Diane and I. And uh, we were hearing about you know, all that was happening. And out of that, we quickly put together this program, this project to support our churches in Poland who were welcoming millions uh, in their country and thousands themselves personally uh, from Ukraine. And so I want to share with you uh, this morning what we've been doing. And then I want to share with you what is our response as a church overall to be. So as you know, on February 24th, Russian forces invaded the nation of Ukraine illegally. And as a result, and I've got some slides to, to show you here this morning, thousands of people uh, were killed. Uh, there we go up on the screen there. Yeah, just, and, and not just military as you know it was civilians as well and and uh, this has been going on for seven months now uh, the, and and the further the ukrainian forces advance uh, the more atrocities they see and so this is just a reality uh, cities and you've all seen this on the news reports especially at the beginning have been totally flattened uh, I've, I've sat with people uh, who have come from these places and they have showed me on their phones the pictures of their cities when they left. Uh, the result is uh, millions of uh, displaced people, refugees. Uh, in Poland, we actually don't call them refugees, we call them guests. Um, but just to give you a number, 13 and a half million people. How many is that? Well, here's a picture. It's every man, woman, and child from Vancouver Island to Thunder Bay, Ontario. That's how many people are displaced. Uh, seven and a half million or so within Ukraine. They're called internal refugees. The rest have left the country, uh, and those that have left the country, three and a half million have ended up in Poland. Uh, since that time, our alliance churches across Canada, you're part of that, have given generously. And, you know, with those funds uh, through our relief arm in Poland, our, with our Polish partner churches, uh, we're caring for thousands of refugees, uh, most of them women and children. Uh, through the local churches in Poland, uh, tons of food are being purchased, uh, and, and some companies are selling it to us at cost, and it's being provided for the thousands that we're caring for in Poland. But uh, over the past couple of months, we've actually expanded, and we're sending tons of food into Ukraine uh, because we've got all these displaced people there. And that's one of the things that we'll be recording uh, when we, we go there on this trip. We're going to be going on one of these trips, driving uh, three van loads of food. And, and, and when I say taking tons of food, this isn't a big organizational thing. This is just, you know, Ford Transit vans and local people from the church and who can be a driver this week and give two or three days to haul it in. And, and, and it... Anyways, I won't go into all the details. You'll get that after we get back and put together a presentation. Uh, housing. Church uh, buildings have been outfitted and converted into places to live. Uh, kitchens have been installed and, and Sunday school classrooms have become uh, uh, bedrooms. And, and uh, people have opened their private homes. Hundreds and hundreds of private homes have been opened up. 
and uh, providing a, a safe and secure place. These women uh, have gone through terrible trauma and, and I, I've, I've got to hesitate in going too many details just for the sake of time, but the whole issue of security is a big deal uh, when they first arrive and we've been able to provide that. Now up in Warsaw, let me give you a picture. In Warsaw, we have a population before the war, two million people live in the Warsaw. That's the capital of Poland. Okay, since the war, a million Ukrainians are now living in Warsaw and the surrounding area. That's a lot of people. And even with all the churches and all the private homes, there's just this overflow. And so there's these two huge convention halls. Uh, one, uh, it's you know, for trade shows. One can house up to 30,000. The other can up to 6,000. Now, the numbers have gone down. There's, in the big one now, there's about 4,000 people, and there's about two or 3,000 in the smaller one. But as you can see in the pictures, this is not Holiday Inn. This is bumper-to-bumper -bumper cots, and everybody's in there. Uh, from the early weeks of the war, when these places started, they were supposed to be a transit center where people could get processed and move on, but the country's saturated, so now they've become like indoor refugee camps. Right at the very beginning, one of the things that we did, one of the responses with funding that came uh, from Alliance Churches was to set up what I call islands of refuge, children's centers, uh, within these huge massive halls. And uh, with those funds, we went out to Ikea and we partnered with a company called Nienudno. Its, it's uh, CEO is a former pastor of ours and they work with children even before the war. And together with them, we've got about 13 of these centers now throughout Warsaw and a few outside of, of the city. And the kids come there and they get a few hours of refuge. They get a, the, the, to begin healing from the, the trauma that they've been through. Now, I want to just tell you a little bit our, about our work with, with children and, and the whole situation there. In June in Poland, uh, we always, there's a holiday. You know how you have Father's Day and Mother's Day? Well, there they have Father's and Mother's Day, but they also have Children's Day in June. And this year uh, in June, we uh, got together and we purchased 5,000 of these bags. And these bags have written on them, uh, Hope for Ukraine. And you see in the slides up there that we distributed these uh, at these uh, refugee centers here, at these big convention centers and other places as well. But I want to show you what we have in these bags just to give you an idea of what's going on. Of course, we've got to have, we've got, we've got the regular stuff. We've got candy and, and all that kind of thing for kids. And then, you know, and, and you have kids ministry here as well. So, you know, so we have things like uh, we've got a little uh, New Testament here. It's, it's uh, in, in, in Ukrainian. Okay? And, and so they get that. Uh, we've got another one here. This is just the Gospel of John. Very, you know, typical, similar things. Here we've got a nice color uh, presentation of, of, you know, the story from creation uh, and Jesus being born and all the way up to the cross. And it's written for children. But I want to show you this one particular piece and to give you an idea of what we're dealing with. Um, if we put up on the screen there, you'll see, uh, what do we got up there now? Okay, on, on that side there, the, my right, your left, 
That's the cover of this little booklet. And what that says, the title is this. <coughs> you, wish to know, uh, you wish to know why. Answers to difficult questions. And then when you open the little booklet up, uh, the, you can see the text there. You can see the graphic. A little girl, she's crying. There's destroyed buildings, apartment buildings beside her. And this is what the text says. This is a rough translation. Terrible things often happen in our world. They can happen to a lot of people, including your family. When something bad happens, there are natural feelings of fear, sadness, and even anger. People can die, get injured, or suffer material damage. If you feel helpless and angry, you can be understood. It seems that everything is so unfair. Maybe you're afraid that something else terrible will happen that can't be fixed. You may feel sad and want to cry. Sometimes after you cry, you feel better. Don't be ashamed of it. The only true and living God knows and understands how you feel. Even he feels sorrow when something terrible happens. That's in this little booklet. And it goes on and it talks about the problem of evil in the world and uh, just you know, terrible things happen and what God's response is and it ends up uh, with the cross and what Christ has done for us. I share that with you to give you an idea of, of what it is uh, we're dealing with in this part of the world. And today, I, I just want to remind you because, <laughs> I mean, it's easy to forget because we got so many other things and the news cycle things drop down and then it comes up again and whatnot. But this war, it, it, it has no end in sight yet. Uh, everybody's trying to figure out how it's going to end. But on the ground, uh, there's no end in sight. In Ukraine, in Poland, in Western Europe, the whole part of the world. But now, having shared those things with you right now, uh, what I want to do is I want to consider this morning the question of, as the church, as the body of Christ, what is our ultimate response supposed to be? What is it that we're supposed to be delivering to these millions of people that are devastated by the war? What is it that they need? Like, is, is it, you know, uh, just a food and, and a bed and shelter? Is it just children's play centers where they can find temporary refuge and, and, and relief from the trauma? Or is there something more? Well, I want to tell you the answer to that question is an absolute yes. There is definitely something more. Now, food and shelter, that's the first step. And we need to continue doing that. And we need to remember that if you read the accounts of Jesus' life, he always responded to people. And usually the very first response was to their physical need or their emotional need. Okay? He knew they had a great spiritual need, but he responded to the, to the physical need first. But there is something more that we can deliver. You see, as... As the church, we're to be carriers of hope. Uh, as the family of God, we have something that the other agencies don't have. You see, we, we have the UN and the Red Cross and all of these, and we need them. And they're giving out food and they're helping with all of these things. Like we've got millions of people, okay? But they do not have one thing that we have, and that is certain hope. You know, in the Bible, God talks about hope over and over again. 
And, you know, the word hope, what is hope? When we talk about hope in our culture, what we're usually talking about is we're talking about wishful thinking. You know, you apply for a job and you say, I hope I get the job. Well, you might get the job, but you might not. It's wishful thinking. You know, I, I hope my team wins the Stanley Cup. Well, they might win, but they might not. But when God talks about hope in the scriptures, it's something far deeper and, and far more significant than wishful thinking. Now, I want you to get this, okay? And if you're starting to think about what you're going to have for lunch today, come on back. Because I know some of you are doing that, because I do that when other people are speaking. Hang on a second here. I want you to get what I want, we're going to say right now, because this is so significant. Hope in the Bible is always based on a particular person and a particular historical event. The person is Jesus Christ, and the event is his resurrection from the dead. Peter, you remember Peter, he was one of the followers of Christ, always opening his mouth, all right, first. And, and he writes a letter to some people who were suffering. They were being persecuted. They say it was probably during the time of Nero. If you don't know who he is, Google him. Okay? These people were going through terrible persecution. And this is what he writes in 1 Peter 1, 3-5. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, do you see that phrase or hear that phrase, born again to a living hope? This is a hope that's certain. What is this living hope? that he's writing about? Where did it come from? And, and why is this living hope so different from what we think of hope? You know, the wishful thinking type of hope. Why is it certain? Well, the answer to that question is it's certain because it's based on God's will for this broken planet. See, God has a purpose. He has a will for this messy world that we live in. And if you don't think this world is broken, you're living under a rock. Okay? It doesn't work. And God knows it. But here's what his purpose is. And we could share all kinds of uh, verses from Scripture that answer this question. But the one verse that's probably the most common verse in the whole Bible, you know it. You've heard it. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that Whoever believes in him, in other words, trusts him, depends on him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's where our certain hope comes from. You know, think about this. God himself comes into our world. Jesus Christ, you know, Emmanuel, God with us. And he lives among men and women. Uh, he gets hungry, he gets thirsty, he gets tired, he experiences all the things that you and I experience. 
And for three years, he gathers this small group of followers and he teaches them and he's announcing about a kingdom. A kingdom that's not of this world. And at first, they don't get it. But as time goes on, they're watching him and they hear him teaching and he's teaching with authority that nobody else seems to have. And he's not just teaching with authority. He's, they're seeing miraculous things done. They're seeing people healed that are sick. They're seeing people that are possessed by evil spirits delivered. A few times they actually see a dead person raised to life. And keep in mind, as this is all happening, okay, this is in a country that's occupied by a foreign power, a brutal foreign power, the Romans. And that's where it's all happening. And what happens after three years? They're following him and more and more they're understanding and they're thinking, yes, he, this guy is, it's him. He's the Messiah. This is God with us. And after three years, they go into the city of Jerusalem and it's coming up on Passover. And the people, the multitudes, the crowds, they're welcoming him. We call it, when we think about it, we call it Palm Sunday. And he's riding in as a, a the conqueror. Here he is. This is Jesus. And they're thinking, this is it. He's going to make things right. He's, he's going he's to overthrow these Romans. It's gonna, he, everything that's wrong in this world is going to be made right. And their hope for the future was way, way up here. And then in a matter of hours, it all came crashing down to the ground. The one that they thought was the Messiah. The one they thought was going to fix everything. I mean, they had seen his power. He had calmed the seas. He had fed thousands. And all of a sudden, he's arrested and he's dragged off to a trial, several trials. He's beaten. He's bloody. He's sweaty. He's dragged up a hill. He's nailed to a cross and he's dead. It's over. At that point, their hope was gone. It was dead. Now, having thought about those facts... Let's think about Peter again. Remember, Peter, he's the one, when all this happened, he denied even knowing Jesus three times. Well, what was it that brought Peter from that place, that position, to the place where he could write the words that we just read from his letter about this certain hope? One word in answer to that question. One word. Resurrection. On the third day, that tomb that had the dead body of Jesus was empty. He had defeated the power of death. He had defeated sin. And he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, that earthly hope that they had, much like the kind of hope you and I often have, okay, because our circumstances are going pretty good, that, that hope was transformed. And it was changed into this living hope, this certain hope. And that's why he could write, you know, of this God's great mercy. How he caused us to be born again to a living hope. How, how does he say? Peter gives us the answer. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He had conquered death. And you know, when he did that, 
Jesus implanted in their hearts this certain hope that nothing could shake it. Didn't matter what was going on around them. Didn't matter if there was persecution. Didn't matter if there was suffering. Because they had this hope that was far more than just wishful thinking. And, and they knew he was alive. I mean, they, they saw the nail prints. They touched him. <laughs> they sat with him. One morning they're on a beach and Jesus has prepared nice roasted fish over a nice fire and they're eating it together. This, this risen Jesus. Like what a picnic that must have been. And the living hope that Peter had came from the fact that he knew. I mean he saw him dead and now he's alive and nothing could change that. Now, let's come up to present day from Peter and his letter and all of that. Let's come up to 45 million Ukrainians affected by this war. And millions of them affected severely with trauma. How do we help those people? I mean, I've sat with young mothers, 25, 26-year-old young mothers with one or two kids in tow, and I've listened to them tell me about their fathers, their husbands, their brothers back in Ukraine. I've walked through those huge halls where there's thousands of people sitting on cots, sleeping on cots. I've sat with people and got first-hand reports of how their cities were devastated, of rapes, of executions, of torture. I've heard it firsthand. And having experienced that, I am convinced that without knowing and inviting and experiencing the resurrected Christ, there is no hope for these folks. There is no happy ending, either in this life or the next. So the challenge that we have is how do we bring this hope to 45 million people? Well, as I conclude today, I want to give you the answer that God has provided for us. And I'm going to have to tell you a bit of a story to do it. Um, and I'm going to go as fast as I can because it's a long story. Part one. <laughs> 21 years ago, Diane and I begin with a small group of people to plant this church you heard about earlier called the Warsaw North Church. That church grows and becomes the largest Polish-speaking church in the world. If Krzysztof, the pastor there, was here today, he would interrupt and say in his uh, broken English, in the universe. Because <laughs> he's done that to me before. But it is the largest in the world. Um, in 2014, you remember Crimea? How it was taken? Well, uh, Belarusians and Ukrainians began to pour into Poland back then. We didn't hear about that over here. But the church over there opened their doors, opened their arms, and welcomed them. And by 2020, when COVID began, this church, which was about 1,000 people, okay, had grown by 200 Ukrainians. They had two pastors full-time speaking Russian and Ukrainian. So this was the North Church in 2020 when COVID hit. When COVID hit, um, and I'm really condensing this, television production company, secular company, connected with the church through one of the elders, needed a place to store their equipment and to do some production work. The church said, you can store your equipment in our building. And they said, we'll install $2 million worth of infrastructure to turn your worship center into a studio. 
the deal is on the weekends and during the week if you want to do worship concerts you can use all the equipment and we'll train your people and you can start broadcasting the church started broadcasting their programs and at the beginning they were getting about 150 views per broadcast by the end of the two years each transmission was getting between four and six thousand connections so they saw tremendous growth that was COVID. COVID comes to an end. February 24th comes along. The television, remember, and the war begins. The television company decides we're going to create a new channel called UA24.tv. If you want to look at it, write it down. Go to your phone. You can look at it. Don't watch it while I'm talking. Okay? UA24.tv. They said we're going to create this channel. It's going to have uh, news broadcasts. The three top news anchors from Ukraine are going to be on it. Okay, it's going to have issues like how to deal with trauma, how to find a job, all the social issues, a whole whack of things like that. It's going to have music on there, music concerts to encourage people, human interest stories. The church, in exchange for providing a space for this uh, new channel, because I, I neglected to say this, they needed a place to do this 24-7, so the church has this huge storage hall about the size of this room that's being renovated right now as we speak, okay? And that's going to become the, 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 where all this production takes place. Anyways, the church, they get six broadcasts a day, plus some other ones as well, it's turning out, where we can present the gospel, where we can give them this living hope. All right, and these broadcasts, the six that were guaranteed, the, each of them is 10 minutes long, and it's transmitted on multiple platforms, and, and it's going, and this is happening already, okay? After church, if you go to ua24.tv, you'll see it, okay? But when I first heard about this, and I heard, oh, we're going to have the gospel on TV, I'm thinking, oh, we're going to have a Christian television station, right? Dumb Canadian. So... I thought to myself, but then they explained, and I thought, 10 minutes, what can you do in 10 minutes? Like, Doug, he'd give me 25 this morning, okay? Like, what can you do in 10 minutes? And, and why wouldn't we just do a Christian television station? A secular, can we do that? Think about this. Who are we trying to reach with this living hope? Believers or non-believers? Somebody, hello. Non-believers. What kind of station is a non-believer going to watch? A Christian station or one that's got news and help for my trauma and help for my kids. and Which one? You know which one he's going to watch. He's going to watch that secular one. And what can you do in 10 minutes? Listen, the people that we're reaching, a lot of them, they're, they're demographic. They're watching it on these things. They don't have TV sets. They're, they're on the road. They're refugees. They're traveling. Okay? And when something comes up on your phone, and if you're under the age of 30 here, and even if you're not, when something comes up, if it's more than a few minutes long, what are you going to do? Go to the next thing. Comes up on TikTok, oh, 10 minutes, okay, I'll watch that. 25, no, not watching it, okay? I want to give you an example this morning of what you can do and what we've already done, okay? A number of months, a few months ago, we began recording in Poland 90-second um, presentations called Jedno Słowo, which means one word. We got people who were believers from all different churches, not just the North Church, but they were believers, and we said, answer this question, what is the gospel? Don't tell us about your church, don't tell us about your programs, just tell them, what is the gospel to you? All right? 
and it goes 90 seconds. That's sort of the goal. Some of them go a little bit longer. I want to show you one of them. There's English subtitles. Take a look at it. So that was 90 seconds. How effective is this? Let me give you a picture. In Poland today, there's just under 40 million people that live there, Polish people. All right? And this was Polish. This was not in Ukrainian. All right? We are now doing this in Ukrainian and Russian. All right? But just to give you how, how effective it is. For, but just under 40 million people, evangelical believers in Poland number about 40,000. Okay, that's not very many. Okay, that's 0.001%. We threw that up on social media just to see how it would go. No advertising, no Facebook ads, nothing. Okay? In six weeks, we had over 300,000 views. And it's just continuing and continuing. And with each one of these, you didn't see it on here, but on the actual transmission when it goes out, okay, there's a hashtag, and it'll take, because this, this 90-second thing, it, 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 it catches them. And, and the way they get connected to this, uh, it comes up on TikTok and other things. And if you don't know what that is, ask your grandkids. Um, you, you, you go up there, and it'll say, you know, it'll have a little thing, someone loves you. Oh, someone loves me. They click on it, they hear this, okay? They watch this and they think, that's touching something. It's striking a chord. They hit the hashtag and it takes them further and further. And it progresses to the point where there's actual contact with our North Church. And our North Church has a team that connects them with people in churches wherever they are. Because this is going all over the world. Anywhere there's people. So that's what we're doing. Now... Uh, real quick, you can throw a pick that next picture up there. This is the hall, uh, the storage hall that I told you about. It's being renovated right now, and 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 we've got we've received the funding to do it. It's about two hundred thousand to get that thing turned into a fully functional broadcast studio. And uh, and, and as I said, we've already begun broadcasting with kind of they're using the worship center and whatnot until this thing's fully functional. I just want to tell you now, though, we, we, what we're looking to raise, we've, we, we've got a lot of funding for food and shelter and all of that, but we need to get this certain hope out to these people. And we're looking to raise an additional $200,000 to cover production costs because, I mean, it costs money to produce high-quality programs. And that, this is just one type of program. We've got other stuff that's up there I don't have time to tell you about. But we've got this project now. It's called Ukraine Media. It's through the Alliance. Uh, Pastor Doug, he can tell you how to give to that if you'd like. And, and uh, that's what we're looking to, to uh, fund at this time. But as we conclude, I just want to say this. You know, the war in Ukraine, uh, the physical needs, the food, the shelter, uh, places, that, 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 that's being addressed and it must be addressed. But if that's all we do, okay, we've failed because I am not interested and I don't think you are either in having well-fed and clothed people going into the future both in this life and the next with no hope. We need to bring this uh, living hope to them and I need to tell you this we have a window of opportunity this will th th there's an openness now that will not be there later uh, th these folks are looking for answers 
Because they're going through terrible, terrible times. And if we don't give them the right answer, if we don't give them this answer, they're going to look other ways. They're going to look to things like alcohol. They're going to look to things like drugs. They're going to look go into depression. They're gonna, it's going to go places that they don't want to go. But they're looking for answers, and we have a window of opportunity. Last thing I want to say is this, and then I'm going to sit down. You might be listening to this this morning, and you, we've been talking about Ukraine and all the things that they're going through. You might be going through some situation in your life right now that to you it seems hopeless. And you might be here in this room, or you might be at home watching this online. It might be a family uh, situation. It might be a health issue. It might be an answer you got from the doctor that you did not want to hear. It might be something financial. I don't know. But you just feel like there's no hope. I want to remind you that this living hope that we've been talking about today is available. It's for us. God wants to give it to us. But we have to get to the place where we receive it from Him. We receive Him into our lives. Jesus Christ. And not just know about Him and be able to recite information about Him, but a relationship. And, and, and you know what? You might be in a place where I don't really understand all of that. It doesn't matter. You can come to God and say, God, I don't understand it all. But whatever it is you have for me, this living hope, I, I need it. Will you come into my life and give me this hope that cannot be shaken, that's unfading, it's imperishable, and it's not affected by the immediate circumstances around me? It can be yours. So that's what I want to leave with you here this morning. Thank you so much for listening. And, and, I, and I pray, I'm going to pray right now. And I'm praying that God would, would cause us to respond yes to the situation that I've described to you this morning in Ukraine and that you're aware of, but also that you'd respond for your own situation where you're at. So let's just pray. Father, um, we've been talking about a lot of things this morning and a lot of facts. But Lord, we just come to you now and we just pray that all that we've heard would be more than just an interesting story. I pray, Father, that you would be speaking directly to each one of us. You know each one of us by name and you know each person of those 13 and a half million refugees by name. I pray, Father, that you would use us in the way that... that, that you're speaking to us to bring this living hope to those that need it. And Father, I pray for anyone here today in this room or online that's listening that says, I need that kind of hope in my situation. If you're in that position, why don't you just tell God right now, you can just tell him quietly in your heart, say, God, I need this living hope would you please come into my life and just implant this hope that comes from the fact that you're alive, that you rose from the dead, and that you love me. I don't understand it all, but I need what you've provided for me. And Lord, we just pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.